We're going to be going through the entire chapter of chapter 2 and going to be touching on some things and looking at the truth. We talked about the truth this morning, about standing for the truth as men. Uh, we looked at four groups of people in Ezekiel 22. There was the princes, uh, there were the prophets, there were the priests and the people. And we're going to focus on the area of the prophets here for a moment. There are two groups that are mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 is generally referred to as a warning against false teachers. Uh, but the first part of it is, the second part of it, it doesn't deal necessarily with false teachers, but those that blaspheme the truth. And the title of the message is very telling. It's a long title. But we have arrived in the day when the day came that the truth is wrong. So what does that mean? We've arrived at a day where a large number of people believe the truth of the Bible is wrong. I think that's a little hard for us to accept. Well, we're a Christian nation. I'm not saying everybody believes this, but society in a majority sense, at least those that control whether it be the government or they control school or whatever it is, they do not believe the Bible is true and that its truth is wrong, but their truth is correct. What do we do with that? How did we get to that place and what happens in those circumstances? And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at the first two verses here as we begin Second Peter chapter 2. If we could stand together out of respect for the ring of the word of God, uh, verses 1 and 2 tonight, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> And I'll try to keep it quiet and keep my voice. My voice is a little strained from this morning. Uh, but verse number one, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What is that referring to? The way of truth shall be evil spoken of, that the way of truth is error, that it is wrong, that it is hateful, that it is to be rejected. And that is the day we have reached in America today. What do we do about it? What is God going to do about it? We'll learn that tonight in the message. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you would bless our time together in your word tonight. Lord, you burdened my heart with this message, and I pray that the burden would come through, for Lord, it is a sad day. What are we to do as your people? Guide us tonight. Show us what you would have us to do. And Lord, I pray that we would listen to it, Lord. We know our hope is in you. No matter what's going on in our country today or in the future, we know our hope is in you. We know, Lord, that you win the victory. That no matter what goes on in Washington, Lord, you're still God. Thank you for that. Your foundation is secure and true. And I pray tonight that we not be distressed and discouraged, Lord, but that we would understand the day we live in. And if we understand the day we live in, we also understand you, dear Lord, and your ways. We know that you can use us in a special way. I pray that you bless our time together tonight. Encourage us this evening. Build us up and strengthen us this evening. We ask all these things in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. May you be seated. So we see in the first part, verse number one, Peter is dealing with, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, false prophets, people that proclaim to be purveyors of truth, but yet what they say is not true. 
And what, they, what is true, they say, is not true. Confused yet. Right? Because that exactly is what the devil's plan is. The devil always wants to take the truth of the Bible and say it's not true. It's a lie, but this way is true. This way is right. And many times we look at this and we see damnable heresies. What was going on? There was all kinds of uh, Gnosticism, different uh, schisms in the church and different isms that were at that time, which still exist today. And there's many more isms than were, there were back then. Uh, and so... Uh, you, know, you know, Mormonism and different things like that, who deny the deity of Jesus Christ, uh, they deny that, he, that they say that he was a created being, just like, and Satan and him are brothers, uh, denying the Lord that bought them. That's a great description there. Uh, there are even some that say, well, the Lord, the God is not the one to follow. Jesus isn't the one to follow. You need to follow uh, the goddess or this of the, of the Wiccans. You need to follow the devil, or you need to follow Buddha or the Hindu gods. This is, you don't need to follow Jehovah. You don't need to follow Jesus Christ. They're not God. And denying God, and it says here, who privily, Ever wonder why you read some of these things and you hear a sermon from someone? It's like, where did that come from? When did this start happening? You know, when did, you know, we hear Calvinism coming into churches and different things. You know, we look at, where did that come from? It always comes in quietly, remember that? Error always comes in quiet. It sneaks its way in, and then before you know it, it's in there. So many churches have allowed damnable heresies to privately, quietly, secretly, to infiltrate a church. We have to be careful of who we're listening to. We need to be careful that there are not those. Um, been listening this week uh, a little bit to uh, American Family Radio and different things. Listening to some, and they have some good things to say. But I can I tell you something though? Listening to those things and listening to those people, they're like, we don't understand why Christians are turning away. We don't understand why this is happening. You know why they're they're allowing this and this denomination's allowing this in those things. And uh, why is this happening? It's very actually very simple and easy to tell them what's happening among Christian people because they gave into the world in some areas, now the world is in. They gave into the world in their music. They gave into the world in their standards of separation. We just need to love everybody and have, um, welcome everybody in. They gave into the world in being seeker-sensitive and just have preaching on the acceptable things and not on the hard things. Now we wonder why Christians are saying, well, there's no much difference between the world and this church, so I'll just go with the world because that's easier. And these people are like, what's going on? Well, the Bible's very clear about what's going on. If you mix the two, that's what's going to happen. And that is a, was a lie, something that has come into the church. And what happens to these people, verse number one, bring upon themselves swift destruction. God does not tolerate error in his church doesn't tolerate that verse two and many he said well only a couple people were deceived by this only a couple people were deceived can i tell you something you know why we have mega churches today because many people many shall follow their pernicious ways because it sounds good because it's exactly what we were looking for it's what makes me feel good by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. You know, people that, go, that teach those things, I have nothing against them personally. I pray that they see the truth. But what are we understanding here? These people understand what the truth is, but yet, but yet, you know, sometimes we like to give them, well, they don't know any better. These preachers that go, they don't know any better. Many of them do. 
Many of them do. And they have an agenda and a reason. Like, what could that be? What? Okay, what could be their possible motivation to lead people astray? Well, verse number three enlightens us. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, we see here, uh, we can see the uh, Apostle Peter, he's a very strong preacher. He's not mincing words like, well, these people are just misguided. You know, God loves them. Yes, we know that God loves all people, but what they are doing is they are taking the truth of God. They are making it a lie. They're saying the truth of God is really this, and that is not the way, and they're doing it for a reason. They're doing it for a particular reason. Just like we looked at this morning, Ezekiel 22, they conspired They agreed, hey, let's all preach and prophesy the same thing. They weren't getting their prophecy from God. They were bringing, hey, let's all all say the same thing so people will believe it's for real. So people, because no one's going to believe five different prophets prophesying five different things, right? We all got to be on the same page with this. We all got to work together. We all got to lock arms and say the same thing. Sound familiar? You know what? We we just need to reach the world for Christ. You know, we hear those, you know, we all just need to work together. The Gospel Coalition is one of those things that is very popular today. Southern Baptist Convention plays part of that, the Gospel Coalition. And uh, interesting, it was, uh, I was listening to one of those interviews, and they were interviewing back in the late 70s, it was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, Dr. Page. Carter, I think, I forget his name, Chamberlain or something like that. Old man, he's in his 80s now. They were interviewing him. And this was very interesting what he said. He said, seeing the way the Southern Baptist Convention has gone, he said they went liberal in the 50s and 60s. They stood against liberal, liberal, liberalism, if I can say it right, in the 70s and 80s and brought back some of those things, which is true. But now it's gone again. And he said, here it is. He said, after you know, being in the convention, being in denomination, He goes, it's not God's plan for centralized government of a church. You know, I said, you know, back in the time of the Reformation were the Anabaptists. And he said, we could learn a great lesson from them. Many of them died because they would not submit to a central church government like the Protestants and the Catholics did. He said, many of them were persecuted, even by the Protestants, that they would not submit to a central government. It's said we could take a great lesson from that because centralized power always leads to corruption. It's like, man, you sound like an independent Baptist. But why? But he's seen this at the end of his life after he's seen what's happened in the convention, and it's sad. Are there a lot of genuine people in genuine churches in the convention? Absolutely, yes. Do they preach the gospel? Absolutely, yes. But because of the centralization, making it a denomination, instead of it being a Christ-centered, autonomous church... Now, and actually, over the last five years, I didn't realize, 4,000 churches have left the convention over the last five years. Uh, The United Methodist Church, right, they joined together in the late 50s to make the United Methodist Church. But now, over 5,000 this year, out of the 30,000, have left the United Methodist Church. Over obvious things, they should have left a long time ago. But those things, what are they realizing? But why? Because they see that... 
They are teaching the way of truth as being evil spoken of. But why do they do that? Through covetousness they shall with feign words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Whenever you see a large centralized, you see some of these megachurches, I'm not saying all of them, but you see a lot of these megachurches around the country, even independent Baptist megachurches. Why are they so big? Because there can be this element, it's very easy to bring in, is that you choose your words carefully. And what can happen is a lot of these false preachers today, they have feigned words. They're not concerned about your walk with God. They're not concerned about your spiritual well-being. All they're concerned about is tickling your ear through covetousness, offering you something that you desire and you want in your flesh so that they can make money off of you. To make merchandise of you. Well, that's what that means. Merchandise is something that's for sale. They're not concerned about your spiritual well-being. I'm not saying, well, which ones aren't, are and aren't. I don't know. Only God knows that. But when you see some of these things and you look at what they teach people, you need to feel good about yourself. And you don't need to worry about sin. Jesus saves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. Don't you know that? You don't have to ask him to forgive you. You don't have to live a life for God. He understands you. That is a pernicious way. That is a false way. Why are they doing that? So a ton of people come to their church so they can fly Private jets around the world. That's why they do it. Because it's their career. They want to make $100,000 a year or $200,000 or a million dollars a year. You know, many people say, well, you know, I believe in Benny Hinn. You know, I believe in Benny Hinn, you know, come to his healing things and things like that. And, you know, many people have asked this. You know, Pastor Harvey used to say to the preachers for years, well, if he is such a great healer, then why doesn't he go in the hospitals and do it for free? Why do you have to pay to go to his thing? And pay a good bit of money too. And people put all their hope and put thousands of dollars in to go to a healing service for Benny Hinn. You know, Jesus never charged any money, so why do you, Benny? Amen? What has it been over and over again? And what a shame, you know, Dateline does all these special things. It's a scam artist. Making merchandise of you. That's what is being spoken of here. And when the time comes, you're worth nothing to them and they'll do anything to sell you off to somebody else or something else. So, well, what's going to happen to them? Well, let's look at verse number four. If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the change of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample with those that after should live ungodly and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to preserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. What's going to happen to these people? They're unset up for punishment because they are entrusted with truth and they decide, well, I'm going to make my own truth. I'm not going to present the truth of God or the truth of the word of God. Not only that, I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to say that if you believe the Bible literally, you're stupid. 
It's an allegory. You can't believe the Bible entirely. You know, we have these scholars. You know what? We're having a um, preacher in. Oh, I forgot his name. Oh, he was just out of Fairhaven this spring. I'm going to have him here in a couple of years. You know, I love how he says this when he talks about the Bible. And the scholars. So he always says that when he remember that. It's very funny. Uh, and he says that, you know, they say the Bible's not true. What Are those people going to stand before God one day? And they're going to say, and God's going to ask them, why did you tell people my word wasn't true? Why did you teach those classes and thousands of students over the years? Why did you tell them the Bible wasn't true? Why did you tell them my word wasn't true? And that I wasn't able to preserve my word. And I wasn't able, and that this verse really doesn't mean that. Why did you do that? They're going to have nothing to say. Can I tell you something? Some of them aren't even saved. They don't even believe the Bible. They're teaching in the seminary. They're not even saved. Why are they there? This. That's what it speaks about with false teachers. You've got to be careful. have to be careful. Not everything you hear on TV is true. I think we know that. You'd be surprised how many people really believe, well, if they said it on the television, it's got to be true. You know? Well, it used to be whatever you heard in the radio was true. So back in the 1930s, there was a presentation of the War of the Worlds by so Orson Welles, I believe, that wrote that. Radio broadcast, fictionalized. And it threw people in New Jersey and New York into a panic and people actually were trampled and people died in accidents and all kinds because they thought that really the Martians were there. You know what? What do we see today? You know, we see people like, well, the aliens are here. You know, the UFOs are coming. You know, um, I firmly believe that in the end times that there's something that maybe even the Antichrist is going to present to be an alien from uh, outer space that's going to bring peace to the earth. That's possible. I don't know. It's possible. Right? People are like, okay. Let's just keep moving on. Anyway, all right, yes. <laughs> you know, thinking out loud. You know, we, I see the, if you see these things like, okay, well, this is just a bunch of stupid people that were high on something that saw something flashing in the sky. Their people are being taken seriously now. The government is saying, well, there's stuff out there. We don't know. Whenever the government's telling you something, always ask the question, why? Why? They're getting ready to take some freedom away again. But we, what do we see here? God is going to judge sin. God is going to judge error. God is going to judge a lie. What we see going on in our nation today with gender and all of these things, it's a sad thing, like you just mentioned. That's just sad. He said there's sorrow. And those that promote such things and go, those that say, well, this is okay. This is the truth and what the Bible says is a lie. Like I mentioned the other week is that someone was in the middle of one of those drag shows and they started quoting the word of God. And they said, please, our children are here. That's just hate speech. It's hateful. You can't say that. It's God's word. But then that's when you know when the day came that the truth is wrong. You know that day's come. So that's the first section of the chapter. Let's look at the second part of the, cha- part of the chapter. But chiefly them... So we see a change of gears that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. 
presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignity. So this one, this person is not a false prophet or a preacher, if you would. This is somebody that is of secular society. That has, Romans 1 talks about people like this. They have given themselves over to uncleanness. They think wicked, filthy thoughts, and they revel in the sin. And they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. What are those dignities? The things of God. They're not afraid to talk about how evil the Bible is in their mind. They're not afraid to speak evil of God himself. They're not afraid to speak evil of the church. They're not afraid to speak evil of Christians and that we're domestic terrorists and we're really the enemy of this country. They're not afraid of that. They're not hiding it. Isn't that the day we live in? They're not hiding the contempt for God anymore. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. Now this verse number 12, I don't know, don't laugh at this, but these as natural brute beasts. That's really what they're doing as they're giving in to the lust of their flesh and they are living like the animal that evolution tells them they are. As natural brute beasts. Nothing spiritual in it, just living how you feel glandularly as they say speak evil of things that they do understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and that's sad they think they're living the free life they think they've got the answer they think they have it all figured out and we're the ones living in bondage and change because you're shackled to your bible and shackled to your god i'm Free. I can do what I want, live how I want, say what I want. You can't stop me. You're going to perish in your corruption. What is corruption? You're going to perish in your filth, in your pig pen. That's where you're going to perish unless you come to Christ. So if our country, so let's put this in the perspective of what leaders of our country, what, what's going to happen to a land that is filled with leaders like this? They're going to perish in their corruption and the rest of the nation with it. God is fair and just. Verse 13, they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with, now this is interesting, while they feast with you. Hmm. Why would someone like that, why would you be spending time with people like that? Well, we would never, you know, we would never spend time with people like that. You know, we would never do that. Some of you are smiling, you know what's coming. Here it is. Well, we would never spend time. We would, you know, people that are, you know, uh, we're never going to be close friends with someone that has the gay pride flag on their house, you know, things like that. But can I tell you something? And when preachers have said this for years, you would never... Have those people over to your home. Why? Because there's a separation there. Would you be friendly to them and say hi to them? Absolutely, they're your neighbor. Hey, you know, hi neighbor. But you're never going to have a barbecue out back, out back with them, right? So if you wouldn't do that, then why do you invite them into your home on the television set? Got quiet. Oh, why do you invite them into your home on your phone or your tablet or your electronic device? 
Why are you friends with them on Facebook? Well, you know, I want to be a spiritual encouragement to them. You're a fool. You're a fool. I'll say it again. You're a fool. I don't mean that meanly. You're foolish if you think you're going to make any effect on that. You're not. People that go that way, by the way, we look at people that have been raised in the truth, been raised in church, raised in the word of God, and they go that way, they know they're doing wrong. Nothing you say is going to change it. Some of you are squirming right now. I disagree with you. The Bible said you're not going to change their mind. All they're going to do is drag you down. That's all they're going to do. Can you plead with them? Yes. Can you tell them you love them? Yes. But if you're going to sit there and watch their wicked lifestyle on their social media feed, then you're a fool. You're taking part in it. Well, why aren't your friends with me on Facebook? Because watching your life is too much of a grief for me because you've turned away from God. How about you say something like that? It's too much of a, it breaks my heart. It's too much of a grief for me. Or when we see it, do we say, man, you know what? I wish I could do that, but I can't. Got to be careful. This is what we have going on today. We allow people influence in our life who live like this, who are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. We play video games with people who are not afraid to speak evil of our God. We spend time with people by allowing their entertainment and their art, so to speak, into our lives. And guess what? It's not going to end well. These same people are going to die and be destroyed in their corruption. So why are we spending time with it? If we know it's not of God and it's ungodly, why are we spending time in it? The question is, we want to. The answer to that question is, we want to. Having eyes full of adultery that cease not from sin beguiling unstable souls. On heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have, here it is, forsaken the right way and are gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So do you want to be standing there when God rebukes them? I don't think so. We're not supposed to be in that position. Verse 17, these are wells without water and clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean. Here it is. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. What's going to happen? Those that live wrong, that knew the way of truth and live wrong, they're going to try to get you to live wrong. Great swelling words. Oh yeah, ever since I've left that terrible church, I feel like I'm so much closer to God. 
You know, that terrible Pastor Spurbeck, you know, I feel so much freer now. So some of you chuckle. That's happened. Pastor Harvey's had that happen. Oh, that terrible Pastor Harvey. He preached the truth so strong and I just felt so oppressed every Sunday. I felt so convicted. And then I got away and I feel so free. It's called quenching the spirit. I'm so free. And you can be too. You know what happens to those people? What do we do? We spend too much time talking to them. Well, you know, well, yeah, there are some things I disagree with. Oh, you open the door. You know what you do? You go, click, off. Stop, sorry. You know, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but there's going to have to be a parting of the ways here. Because really what they're doing is they're speaking evil of dignities. Because is it really the problem with the preacher or was it a problem with the message the preacher was preaching? That's really where the sticking point is. It's the truth is the sticking point. And we, get, we don't like that. But that's the truth. And that's where the problem is. It was not about the person, the messenger. It was about the message, the truth. And if they're going away from truth consciously, I don't want it. That's not a direction of someone we want to go in. Whether it's a family member or it's a friend or what it is, we, don't, we can't be, oh, over here, close by. Should we love and care about them? But all of us have had to make decisions in regards to family activities of what we're going to be involved in or not. All my life, my dad said, whenever the drinking starts, we're gone. You know what I was, when I was on Facebook, I was friend was with, uh, on there with my cousin. And she was liberal, liberal. And she was putting on stuff for abortion and things like that. I said, I just can't let this ride. I can't do it. So, you know, put some things on there and everything. Well, she, I got unfriended really quick. Why? Because I was not going to let her tell a lie about what abortion is, that it's some right, it's murder. Then after that happened, I said, like, you know what, just don't, be, I don't need to be on here. I'm going to get myself in trouble. That was before a fact-checking and getting banned. You know, I, I'm sure I would get banned really quick. You know, and then when, that's why we took the church off Facebook Live because we started getting banned. Because you have hymns and music, it's copyright infringement. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Verse 19, they live in error while they promise them what? Oh, freedom, I'm free. You're not. They themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. Here it is, the latter end is worse than that. That with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So what do we do with these type of things? So we went from false prophet to secular society, to those who have known the way of truth that have now gone away. There's three points right there. What do we do about it? Stay away from it. 
we have to stay away from it. Stay away from false doctrine, false teachers. Need to stay away from... Now, should we stand up in secular society and say, no, God's word is true? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. We need to stand up and say, this is the truth of God. We still have that freedom in this country. Let's exercise it. Amen. This is what God says, and this is the truth. Are we still sharing the gospel? But what about those that go the way of sin? Well, I just want to be there for him. Be there for him. You can be there for him. Praise God if you want to be there for him. But don't sit there and act like their sin's okay. You're not doing them a favor. It's like, well, I still love you, even though, yes, you still love them, but at the same time, you know what? There comes a point, you're living this way. You know where to find me. You know where God is. You know where I am. Until that time comes, I'm stepping away. They're just misguided. Now, what is the Bible saying here? They know the way. They know the truth. They know the Bible. They don't want it. And there's nothing you can tell them to change their mind. It's God that has to do a work. Many times we try to take the place of God. We try to fix things that only God can fix. And in the process of trying to be the fixer, we get entangled in it and dragged down. We have to be careful. You know, sometimes when people go off into sin at times, preacher, what do we do? Pray and wait. Let God do the work. Be an encouragement. Be there. Be and encourage and let them know you're there, but God's going to have to do the bringing back. And he always does. Amen. He's always calling. He's always, as we learn in revival time, pursuing. But until that time comes, we're not going to convince them that the way of God is right and true. Because in their mind, let's say they believe their own deceivings. I've walked away from it because it's not true, because it's not what I need. As the prodigal son believe that. I don't believe this is the way for me. I'm out of here. But then when he had all wasted it all, and what is he literally in? He was being destroyed in his own corruption, in a pig pen. He came to himself. So you know what? I need to get back to God. Amen. I need to get back. And he did. He came back, and guess who was waiting for him? The Father was. God's waiting for us. God's waiting for that friend. Instead of sitting there excusing their sin, how about you get down on your knees and you pray for them? You ever been on Facebook? He's like, man, this is discouraging. This is, oh. You know, Miss Harvey tells me, this is discouraging. If it's discouraging, turn it off. Turn it off. I've heard people say this, like, well, you know, I understand, you know, but you, know, you can mute their news feed so you don't see what's going on. What does that do? Because whether we like to or not, the people that were friends with us on Facebook, we, they think that you agree with what's on there. That they're friends with you on Facebook because you agree with what's on your wall or you agree with what's on theirs. You agree with what they like and post. And if they're posting a bunch of vileness, nakedness, swearing, all kinds of things, you don't need to be friends with them on Facebook. Don't just mute the feed. That's, that's, I'm looking for a word here. 
word my dad used to do, that's being a sissy. Because, oh, I don't want to see it, but I don't want to offend anybody. Well, why aren't you on friends with me on Facebook? Because you had all this on there. Because you had this, this, and this. Why well, can't be friends with you on Facebook? Sorry. Well, they might offend them. Yeah, it might, but also might give them a wake-up call. Maybe I've gone a little, maybe I've gone farther than I thought. Because sin always takes you farther than you want to go, doesn't it? Rebellion always takes you farther than you want to go. And makes you pay more than you wanted to pay. And maybe that'll be a wake-up call for them. But we don't need to make a... That's being ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's being ashamed of the truth. I don't agree with it because the Bible says this, so I can't be friends with you on there. There has to be a separation. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, I'm sorry. God says it. Come out from among them and be separate. Because being there with them, you're condoning it. Let's be wise. Let's be wise. Because at the end of the day, it's like, well, I'm going to stay here because you are valuing your relationship with that person more so than what your God tells you to do. So tonight, and I know I didn't make a lot of friends going over these things tonight. I know that. But I'm preaching to myself because I said, well, you know, I want to help everybody and I want to see everybody fixed, okay? I'm the fixer. Ask my wife. I'm a fixer. But at the same time, there's, there are times that I've had to say, okay, God, it's in your hands. And by the way, when the, all the time we spent fixing, God works a whole lot faster when we just let him do his work. Amen. We spend all the time trying to fix it. It's like, well, it doesn't seem to be working. I guess I need to give it to God. No, you should have given it to God to begin with. And maybe there wouldn't be so much wasted time. And let God do the work. And he does. And you know what? When it does happen, don't we give glory to God? Amen. When the Lord saved me, we can give that praise. And guess what? When that person comes back, but it is true what it says here. It had been better if they didn't know the way. But why is that? Because people who are saved and go off into sin, they have a great sorrow in their soul that, that a lost person doesn't have because they have the Holy Spirit. And what they, and just as it says here, would lot vexed his righteous soul because whether or not he did right, his soul was still righteous because he was saved. Our soul can be righteous on the inside, but yet we vex ourselves with our own actions or being around the actions of others. Lot had no business being in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that. But what did he get his eye on? The well-watered plain. Success! He was a cattleman. I can have success here. I can be in the place where things are happening, where things are being, the, the I can be somebody. And he was. He was on the city council. In a city known for gross immorality. He was on the city council. He's an influential man. I'm sure he kept his belief in Jehovah quiet. And we found out that he had, even from his own children. That's a shame. And we see the testimony. Who do we see? The children of Ammon and the children of Moab. All because of that from the ancestors' relationship with his daughters, two nations that plagued Israel for generations. All because of what? Sin. So tonight, the day where the truth is called wrong, we're going to be told, if we believe this, we're going to be told we're wrong. It's not right. We need to be gender-affirming. God decided that's gender-affirming right there. 
male and female created them. You know, we're not affirming. You know, we're not, can I just tell you something? It's not, it's not right. It's being dishonest to, to encourage someone in a lie. Oh, it's okay the way you're living. It's okay. You know, God loves you. According to the word of God, they stand in judgment as any sinner would. Is that love? Is that being compassionate? No. Telling them the truth is being compassionate. Speaking the truth in love, yes. And love is being truthful. Amen. Amen. To be truthful with our society. We don't need to be ashamed of it. They want us to be quiet because the truth is inconvenient for them. We don't, these preachers, they have decided to change their message to what's convenient for society. And they're not concerned about the truth. They're concerned about what's convenient for them. There are those that live the way they've known the way of salvation. They have known the way of God, yet they go off into sin. And it's a sad, and it's a heartbreak, but it's wrong for us. It's not loving for us to say, it's okay. And said, what are you doing? You know the way of truth. It's still true. But somewhere along the way, they've been deceived to think that truth has been evil spoken of to them. And I just tell you something, if you listen to too much of the truth being evil spoken of, you'll begin to believe it. Well, maybe they got a point. That's why we can't listen to gossip, because what are we going to think? You know what, they may have a point. Yeah. Yeah, they did say it that way. And then we begin to make judgments and assumptions about what someone thought or what they felt. The truth being evil spoken of. Evil speaking is part of our nature that we have to keep under control. And we can be, why? Because it can dissuade people from the truth. Always know the devil is always looking to dissuade you through prophets, through secular society, through fallen away believers to get you away from God. He's always doing that. And that's what the warning is here in this chapter. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Don't begin to believe because it's bombarded with you and the news and everything else that this book isn't true, that the way of God isn't right. Always believe it's true. Always believe it's right. And the voices that are telling you it's not, we need to click, turn them off. But are we willing to do that tonight? I pray that we are. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I pray that you bless our time together this evening. Lord, it's a sad day we live in. It breaks our heart. There was a day when, our, when the Bible was highly regarded in our nation, that churches were highly esteemed and respected. And now it seems to be the rare thing that we find someone who takes your word seriously, that believes the church is necessary, that the church is here to present truth, And Lord, we know there are some, Lord, there's so many voices clamoring for our attention. Lord, help us to turn off the ones that speak evil of dignities, that speak evil of you, speak evil of the Bible, your word. Remind me of David this morning. As we looked at your word, Lord, he didn't, Goliath was speaking evil of you holy and dignified in heaven and David couldn't stand it. He said, no, you will not speak evil of my God. 
oh Lord, we're so used to hearing it that we, it doesn't even phase us anymore. We're so used to seeing it and being around it. People that say it. We don't even give it a second thought anymore. Oh, bring back the sensitivity, Lord, that we need. Our hearts have waxed callous. Our ears deaf. Our eyes blind. Our minds numbed. Because that's how the devil wants us to be. Wake us up, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and eye closed. As we begin invitation time tonight, let's all stand together, every head bowed, every eye closed. The Lord's spoken to you. The altars are open tonight. Well, we ask God the simple question, a request. Lord, help me to see, help me to hear, help me to know. Help me to make the wise decisions that I need to make. It's Father's Day. Men, this is in your department. You need to stand up and lead. So you know what? We're not going to do this. We're not going to have things that speak evil of our holy God in our home. Individuals, I'm not going to have things on my phone or things that speak evil of my God. News sources, doesn't matter what it is. I'm not having anything that speaks evil of my God in my presence. And it's true what we learned in Sunday school class this morning. If David was the average Christian today, he wouldn't have thought twice, I'm not going out against Goliath. That's somebody else's job. But are we willing to stand against the lie, to proclaim the truth and not be ashamed of it tonight? The altars are open, won't you come? As we take our hymnals, turn to 496, 496 tonight. Let's sing together, 496. The altars are open, you come as the Lord leads you tonight, 496. Dearly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you for your word, and I pray that it would ring true in our hearts. Challenge us, Lord. We need to be encouraged. We can stand for your word and stand for right and please you, Lord. That's the most important thing of all. Bless our congregation here. Bless all of our fathers. Bless our mothers. Bless everyone in here tonight. Bless those watching as well. Lord, we, want to, we love you, Lord. We want to serve you. 
But, Lord, sometimes those hard decisions have to be made. I pray, Lord, that you give us the guidance and the wisdom and the strength to make those decisions when the time comes. That there is a line, a line of separation, because we are not of this world. We live in it, but we're not of it. Help us to know where that line is. For, Lord, it's so hard to see at times. The devil loves to obscure that line. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us see it. Bless, I pray, as we go our separate ways. Help us to be witnesses. Guide us. And bless the sign-up for VBS this week in the bus. In Jesus' name, amen.